Alrighty. So today we are wrapping up this series called Come Holy Spirit. Uh, for those of you who haven't been with us, we've been exploring uh, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, um, and, and most importantly, just inviting him with this, this ancient prayer of the church. Come Holy Spirit. Just come and, and reveal yourself to us. Um, there's lots that we have covered, but there's also plenty of related topics I haven't spoken on in this last month and a half. Um, and so we thought it would be good, we talked about this as a team um, many uh, months ago, it would be good to have, to hear the common questions on people's minds um, and try to address some of those as we wrap up this series. The goal of today though is not to just provide like intellectually stimulating and satisfying answers to all of the biggest questions of faith, because that would be silly to try and achieve that. But hopefully just to, um, I hope that this next uh, uh, 25, 30 minutes helps us have open hearts before God to believe and experience what we sometimes can't understand. Um, it's not just about the head, but also about the heart. Of course, Jesus wants us to use our brains to wrestle, to ponder and meditate, question all, all of that, but only when it's in it's hand in hand with hearts open before God. Otherwise, it's, it's pointless, all of the, you know, the intellectual stimulation because he ultimately is uh, beyond our understanding, otherwise he wouldn't be God. So um, I hope today is helpful, uh, and, and my prayer again this morning is simply, come Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, come and teach us this morning. Come and be uh, the, the, our teacher, the one who leads us into all truth, as Jesus promised you would be. Come Holy Spirit and fill us. Come Holy Spirit and draw us closer to God, our Heavenly Father. Come Holy Spirit. And be uh, the one who reveals to us Jesus, and reveals to us the Trinitarian God whom we worship, we pray. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts this morning, not just the turning of cogs in our brain, would be pleasing to you, our Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, I'm going to get straight into it. These are questions that were submitted or, or shared when I went to one, a couple of uh, life groups. Um, hopefully, are the common questions you're asking. If not, they're the common questions that some of you are asking at least. First of all, how do you know if you're hearing God's voice or just your own thoughts, your own conscience? Um, so, great question, quite a common one, there's many, many variations of it, and this can be in relation to prophecy, which is something we talked about a few weeks ago, God speaking through us, or, or just generally in hearing God and discerning, give, God giving you wisdom, etc. Um, so, I, I did, I sort of touched on this three or four weeks ago, suggesting that more often than not, you don't know. Um, let me just go down a little bit in that line. Uh, you don't know if it's a direction, especially uh, uh, an instruction, a nudge to do something, um, someone to speak to, something certain to do. Uh, God's looking for trust in us, not trying to give us certainty so that we don't need him. He's looking for us to, to have to, so we have to take a step of faith sometimes before we actually know if it was God or not. But there's also important filters um, the first one being, does this contradict or align with Scripture? If it's, um, not, it's not God, if it's sin or against God's plan, um, which, which means that when it, when it comes to filters, is it God, is it just my thoughts? We, we do have to address what's sometimes a bit of an elephant in the room, and that is that 
it is every single one of us, it's our responsibility to study the Scriptures, to grow in understanding and, and knowledge and familiarity. And yes, that's hard work. Yes, we're busy. Uh, yes, everyone has a different opinion, and there's 4,000 commentaries on every verse in the Bible and all of that. It's not easy, but if we want to learn to hear God's voice, we have to do some of the hard work. We have to take the Bible seriously and not go, a sermon on a Sunday will, will do fine for me. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we all have that responsibility. And so as we do that, um, there's that filter. Um, I think we can move through a couple of the next slides. Um, God has given us also, not just scripture, but each other um, as to, to help, um, and also common sense. Um, if, we, if we just move through those slides, they'll be on the screen as well. But a couple of other points. Um, God often speaks through, um, through your thoughts, through your conscience. It's, you know, sometimes we think, well, if it sounds like my own thought, it's definitely not God, and it's not necessarily the case. And so one tip I would give is don't, we not, ought not assume that because a thought automatically uh, uh, sounds uh, exactly like one of your thoughts, that it's not God. Um, I, I was talking to a few people, and they, they referenced one person in the congregation who, um, who says they assume everything is God and responds accordingly when it's thoughts that or nudges that come to mind. I think that's a potentially good approach. On the other hand, um, our hearts are deceived, the Scriptures say. Our hearts are easily deceived. Um, and so if we think, I had a thought that I should do this, um, it can also be born out of your insecurity, my uh, need for affirmation or desire to please others. And so just to wrap this one up, my offering to you to, today would be this. Be honest with God and with others about the stuff in your life that you're not letting God into. Oh, what does that have to do with hearing God's voice? Well, the hidden stuff, the buried stuff, the hurts, the pains, the sins under the surface, those, those things that can get in the way and, and skew our motives. Do you have unresolved relationship issues with someone? Do you hold unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else? Do you have a sin issue that you're sort of dealing with, but it's really not that big a deal when really you need to be truly broken and repentant? Um, the answer to those questions is yes, you do. Yes, I do. Yes, we all do. We're all in the same boat here. Um, but the question is, will we bring those things into the open before Jesus and, scary thought, before others who love us and care for us in the Christian community? Because James says, I think it was James, um, uh, in confession to others, we find healing. Um, and when we do this, God heals the heart. We can recognize more easily then and more clearly what is a whisper of God and not just our own desire born of the flesh. So sorry to go so deep so quickly, but I think I hope that's helpful when it comes to hearing God's voice. Uh, next question. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go like fast today. So if you want to catch up later, you can go listen to the recording later, but I don't, don't want to dwell too much on any one thing. What are some practical ways... We can train, quote-unquote, um, ourselves to recognize God's voice. I, I, refer, I referred a couple of weeks ago to exercising the prophetic muscle or exercise, like practicing and actually learning and growing 
in hearing God's voice, even the gifts of the Spirit that we talked about from 1 Corinthians 12. Um, so how do we train? Um, with regards to, I know this is not just what the question's about, but with regards to prophecy, um, and again, if that's like why we're talking about prophecy, if you missed a few weeks ago, I encourage you to listen to that message. Um, it's, a, it's a simple thing of hearing God and speaking that through to another person. Um, I believe there's, there's no harm in practicing with other Christians, if it's with the right motivations. If we get together with someone and say, God, please, we, we pray and we say, God, please speak uh, to us right now a word that will encourage or build up, um, motivate, bless, maybe even help this person in a direction, in direction they need, um, all for your glory. Do we, do we think that God will be sitting in heaven going, mm, not sure about this. <laughs> you know, I think God actually wants, he loves us and he wants to speak through us. And, and so we, we can actually just practice and pray for one another and, and, and allow God to speak. Now, if our heart's not right with God and the motivation's wrong or we're just hungry for more blessing and power and, you know, um, and, and maybe not responding to something God's already said and we're just trying to find a different answer that we want, then of course we can get it wrong. We need to be careful with that. But with the right motivation, I think we can just practice. Some of you have been doing this in your own life groups. Um, three or four minutes of silence at the end. Invite the Holy Spirit, just asking him to speak a word or a scripture, a phrase. And um, if you're interested in an eight-week course to exercise this muscle a little more, a number of people here have done it, let me know. Happy to connect you with that. When it comes to the day-to-day -day whispers of God, though, it's not quite so easy, uh, in, in my opinion, um, or, or so simple. But I think that similar principles apply. I probably say this more times than I can count, but talk to people. We talk, let's talk to each other about this. Um, is there someone you can share with, even on a daily basis? Uh, this is what I feel the Lord is saying to me today. Do, do you think that sounds right? Um, that's not even normal morning tea conversation on a Sunday after an hour and 15 minutes of worship. <laughs> we tend to talk about the weather and the football and all, all the rest. But, but what if we, we, instead of talking about how busy we are, we said, hey, this is what I felt God was stirring in my heart this morning. What about you? I mean, what if that became normal conversation? I think it would shape how easily we were able to then identify what's God and what's not and practice hearing him. Um, another helpful practice, and these would be probably the two main things I'd share, is write it down. Who has a journal? I don't know if you're embarrassed to share your hand, or really there's only five people who, who have one. Um, you know, right today, I feel like God has been saying to me, dot, dot, dot. I'm, I'm just convinced now that journaling is actually a fundamental spiritual discipline of the follower of Jesus. Because there's something that happens when you write it down. Sometimes you go, you write it down, you go, yeah, now I see that's not God. <laughs> or the opposite. I, I, I really think God's speaking as you meditate in that way. I just encourage you to journal. Next question. Here we go. How is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but still one God? It's something we probably didn't, and, and you know, which, which one is speaking, if you were thinking about hearing God. Um, I touched on the Trinity in this series, but probably, I mean, considering the Spirit is one person of the Trinity, it's something we need to unpack. Straight to the point, um, God is three persons, one being. We 
compared to us, we are one person in one being. There's actually a difference between our personhood and our being or essence. Um, it's a whole area of study you can explore. But what for God that means is the Father is a unique, distinct person and is God. The Son, a unique, distinct person, is God. And the Holy Spirit, a unique, distinct person, is God. And together, as what is usually called the Trinity, they is God, are God. Um, I was going to put a slide on the, the screen with like an explosion coming out of the mind because we can't, you know, sometimes grasp this. But in terms of, you know, people try to use metaphors for the Trinity. And it's okay to start that way. So maybe in children's church, there's the metaphor of steam, ice, and water, H2O in three different forms. It's kind of like God. But it's not a great metaphor and actually is heresy because... Um, uh, you know, it's okay, you know, when we're starting to try to understand, but when it comes down to it, that is called modalism. In other words, um, a droplet of water can't be ice, steam, and water at the same time. However, God, um, three persons in one being or essence, um, uh, is, that's not so. so. So what we have is a God who within himself is a, like a family, working in such unity together, that they are not just of one mind, like you and your spouse, well, that's the aim, um, but, um, but one being, essence is the other word often used. And so Jesus, for example, God the Son, at his baptism, hears the Father's voice and receives the Holy Spirit, all three coexisting simultaneously. So they coexist and they cooperate. Um, and so if you think, well, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Father. Who's speaking when we hear God's voice? Yes, <laughs> God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Never does the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear at 10 a.m. and then at midday, Jesus wakes up from his nap and said, did you say something to Johnny? And the Father was off doing something. Like they, they, they are always one um, in how they operate and what they say. Um, they work as one. So the spirit, the scriptures say things like the spirit prays for us that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. Jesus says the spirit will remind you of everything I taught you and lead you into all truth. When we read about the voice or talk about the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's not wrong to say that, um, but it's also not different to the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father is speaking, spoken to us through the, the spirit. Um, same when we talk about the gifts, for example, and Aaron sent me a, um, a quote this week from um, something he'd been reading that says, in fact, while these are commonly referred to as the gifts of the Spirit, they are actually the gifts of the triune God. That is a Trinitarian manifestation of God in community to his community, the church, in such a way that the church has become the incarnation of Christ, just as Christ is the incarnation of the Father. Wrap your head around that one. Um, so I, I hope that helps a little bit. They coexist and they cooperate. Um, what's the difference? Next uh, question on the, between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. You're always going to give us a few minutes on that one. Thanks, Joy. I'm, uh, I'm being uh, arrowed on this one, and I can't run away from it. Uh, but I want to share with you, I think, I think in the simplest form of it, I think there's a correlation, and at the same time, there's a place where this too is important to understand. Number one, gift is given. Yeah? Gift is always given. 
but somebody has to pay for it to give it to you as a gift. So that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, if you ask me what's the most important gift, it's the gift that you need at the moment or in a particular uh, circumstances or place that you need it, right? That's the most important thing. Though the Bible says you, you desire or even there's an even stronger word for the prophecy because that's the word that, that, uh, that you know, you desire prophecy, yeah? But I think, yeah, I believe that the scripture is telling us that the gift is given to you in a place or in a manner where you need it the most or in the place where you need it the most or the situation that demands it. And, um, and the gift is what, uh, the, the fruit is you cultivate it. It has to grow. It's a grown. So it's given and it's grown and you have to cultivate it. To co- you cultivate the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That means if, you, if you, the Holy Spirit is in you, you have to cultivate it so that the fruit will be seen. And these are the fruits. Uh, that, that. So as, as simply as it, it, uh, I'm, I'm sharing is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is given and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, uh, is grown and it's cultivated, right? So there is a connection between the two. So a place, a best place for the gift of the Holy Spirit to kind of manifest, the best place is where the fruit is. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is where the gift will flourish the most. You can see the, the effect of it even greater. Because there's so many people use this gift as a, as a become an office and abuse to it. You know, be, there's a lot of people abuse the gift. But actually the best place for the, the gift to, to kind of flourish is when the fruit of the Holy Spirit is present and is is evidently seen in your life. That's the best place. Yep. And then lastly, um, it's very easy to remember this. Uh, in fact, uh, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says 12, 31, you have to uh, covet or desire earnestly the gift. Yeah, you have to earnestly desire it. So if you, if you ask for, for the gift, God, he says, he's, he's not going to give you a, a something that is not good. He will give you the best gift that you need. So I think you should desire it. So number one is to, how do you uh, activate it? Desire it. And when you have it, allow the fruit of the spirit to become a place where it grows and it, it, it kind of flourishes even greater. Right? And uh, there are, as maybe a tip before I, I sh- shut my mouth. Okay? Um, a tip. The, 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 the gift of the Holy Spirit is, is easy to remember, 333. Three, three. It's, a, it's a perfect number, 333. Three, three. Yeah? So if you want to desire it, maybe when you ask God to give you the gift, uh, the first three is called to say something. It's a, it's a gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. That's number the three. You know, that's just a three. And the first three is called something to say, or to say something, sorry, not something to say, to say something. Number two is, uh, the, the next three is to know something, which is the, the, the gift of, or the, you call it the revelational, revelations gift, which is the wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of the spirit. So these are the gift if you want to desire from the Lord. Number three is to do something, to do something. These are the last three one, which is faith, healing, and working of miracles. 
So you have to do something. It's a hard work. You're really going to do something and go in the street and find somebody for, or somebody sick that you want to, you know, uh, to apply healing. So these are the, 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 the three we call. That means you have to do something to do something. So if you want to ask me how are you going to desire to have a gift, uh, know these three, uh, three, three types of gift that you desire and ask God for it. Or maybe if you are in the situation, you can ask God. If there's a healing, you can ask that to do something yeah, and desire it for that moment. Thank you. That's good. I like that. So you were referring to 1 Corinthians 12 there and the gifts listed. No, hear something, know something, do something. Sounds like good, good advice. <laughs> um, be thinking of questions that are coming to your mind as we go. We're not going to be, I mean, we couldn't open it up and do an, an hour today of, of back and forth, but really interested after we're finished here today to know what questions are still on your mind and maybe we can um, do something else another time to, to engage uh, more on those questions. Um, next question we had come in. If the Holy Spirit is present, or is always present, why do we see waves of intense moves of the Spirit over church history, sometimes known as revival? So a couple of examples, Wesleyan revival of 1700s, 1859 revival, Welsh revival of 1904, Azusa Street, 1906, charismatic renewal around the 1960s, the Billabong revival of 2022. Um, just putting it out there, Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a really important question, yeah, 2021, okay. I don't think we're ready, but anyway, that's another conversation. Really, really, really good question, really important question, I think. Um, and I think we do have to go back to the fact that God has a divine, good, perfect, sovereign plan for this world. That's, that's the reality, that's, that's the truth. And, and so any renewals, as they're sometimes called, or revivals or waves, moves of the Spirit, um, are part of that plan. And God knows how and why and when and, 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 and what's, what the purpose is. They're like Pentecost. Pentecost didn't keep happening every single day, but on that particular day, thousands came to Christ in a short space of time, and it was incredible, amazing, astounding if you read Acts chapter 2. Um, but as I've read about many, many of these, these times, these occurrences, um, uh, which I've spoken about from time to time here at the Billabong and different examples, um, the Hebrides and, and, and whatnot, um, there's often a hidden story behind them um, uh, involving sometimes just a couple of people, a few, a remnant, if you like, who resolved with all their heart to pray, to seek God, to petition God, to ask God for a move, to save, to establish his kingdom on earth like, like never before. Um, and, and it's why we do from time to time things like 24-7 prayer for a week before Easter. It's my dream one day is that we would have 24-7 prayer all year in this church. Um, because we need God to move. The, the wanting is just we're catching up with that, but we need God to move. Um, and, and, and these movements, uh, these, these revivals often started out of things like the Moravian 24-7 prayer movement. Um, people at the, the center of um, extraordinary moves of God, revivals and things like Finney, um, you, you may know the name, you know, with these supernatural ministries, God used them powerfully, but if you dig a little deeper... There's stories of 
for example, teenage boys. I forget this, this guy's name, but there's one teenage boy in one of the revivals who would go out into the woods each night crying out to God. People would think he was crazy until revival came. Um, and all of these revivals are just, the no- what they are is, uh, the way I heard it, one person put it recently, the normal work of the Holy Spirit to draw people into God's heart and God's presence accelerated. It's the, it's the normal work of the Spirit just sped up. Um, that's what a renewal or a revival is. And so the question really is, um, do we desire this in our lives and the lives of those around us? I'm going to read a quote from, um, I'll just say, a wise person. Revivals happen in local churches, communities, families, and at a personal level, most of which we would probably not have heard, nor were they re- formally reported or covered by the media. Um, hence, the idea is not to chase after revival, per se, rather to encourage and spur every believer to be postured, open, and to avail themselves wholeheartedly to God for him to work in and through. When a collection of believers are in unity, seeking after the heart of God, i.e. seeking after God more than the gifts or power or whatever, God will manifest himself. Yet the key point is, this is a work of God. According to his divine grace and purpose, we cannot earn or manufacture a revival, but we can posture ourselves for one. I think that's incredible wisdom and and what I hope is true in my life. Next question. What is meant when a person, for example, a preacher, has the anointing? Uh, You may or may not have heard that sort of used before in that way. Um, In some circles, you know, the anointing, that person's anointed, that person's not kind of thing. Um, I don't want to go too much in this, but anointing is literally just a reference to oil. Kings were anointed um, with oil, a sign of God's blessing and calling upon them. Um, And oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Um, If someone is anointed in a particular ministry or activity, personally, I think it means they're operating not just out of human skill or ability, but um, God's filling an empty, imperfect vessel with his oil to to, to do through them what only he can do. Um, the way Aaron put this was, is working in tandem with the Holy Spirit, a cooperation, a partnership. 1 John 2.17, as for you, this is um, yeah, 1 John 2.17, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Same guy who wrote John 15, um, remain in the vine, Jesus. So we're to stay connected and close to God is, is the call on our lives. Some people are particularly skilled at, at some things. Doesn't necessarily mean they're anointed. They might be really good at it, but it might mean that God has blessed them and particularly anointed them for this if that ability comes from dependence on God. Um, and God has the right to gift people as he, as he wills. Um, the, the main thing is, what's the fruit? Is the fruit um, revealing God, revealing his kingdom, pointing people to Jesus, the kingdom coming? Um, my take on this, just what the thought I would leave you with, is that while Christians in some circles will point um, to certain preachers or evangelists or musicians, oh, they're so anointed, God anoints many more people doing far more, quote, ordinary, unquote, things um, 
I think we've skipped over to the next, next slide if we go back. Um, for his glory bearing his fruit. And um, this is worth celebrating. What we really want is anointed uh, school teachers and anointed welcomers and anointed behind-the-scenes prayers um, and, and um, uh, behind, an anointed accountants, um, not just anointed preachers or whatever else. Um, people who God is pouring out his spirit of love through them as they walk in step with the spirit in whatever role. So I think what's already up on the slide is the question, if we just, yeah, that's fine. Um, what does it mean to be filled with the spirit or, or baptized in the spirit? This one's huge. Um, it was bound to come up. I wanted it to come up. Um, and, and it's probably the one question I, I kind of feel um, I'd like to, to come back to and explore another time because it's so important. A few things from Scripture. John the Baptist said of Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Peter quotes the prophet Joel at Pentecost, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Um, later in the book of Acts, there's the, the, the sometimes called the Gentile Pentecost at Cornelius' house where um, some who had they'd accept the gospel but then they get and get baptized, but they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. When Paul prays for them, the Holy Spirit quote, comes upon them um, and they speak in tongues. And so often we see in the book of Acts, not always, but often the, the, um, what accompanies this, this baptism or this filling or coming upon is gifts like tongues and healing and whatnot. So what is this? Is it a second filling? Um, in other words, if you say Jesus is Lord, you do have the Holy Spirit. We've, we've established that, that. We've established there are no first and second class Christians. Um, but is there, after we come to Christ, is there somehow more? A, a, a filling up, if you like, not just a having the Holy Spirit. I do think so. And, and I can't deny on a personal level that after I experienced what I can only describe as an outpouring of the love of God over every inch of my being at a youth camp that left me in a puddle of tears on the floor for about two hours, um, I was never the same again after that, that point. In saying that, is if, okay, yes, there, if, if we say there is a second filling, one, one um, Christian leader was once asked, do you think there's such thing as a second filling? And he said, sure. And a third filling, and a fourth filling, and a fifth filling, and a sixth, etc. I.e., we need to be filled with the Spirit again and again. And I know I'm going super fast over this massive topic, but my question back to you this morning would be, whether or not you believe you have been filled with or baptized in the Spirit or, or, or believe there's such a thing, what's stopping you asking and seeking it, asking for it and seeking it? Is there anything stopping you? Um, what have you got to lose? I'll leave it at that. Final question, maybe the most important. I'm going to stand up for this one. Uh, if Christians have the Holy Spirit living inside them, how and when does the Spirit work in the life of a non-believer? If I have one regret about this whole sermon series, it would be that I didn't sufficiently highlight one point, that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to draw people into the heart and love of God. Okay, I did sufficiently highlight that point. I was saying it every single week. But most importantly, he draws those in who are far from God. That is what the Spirit is doing. And the Spirit's work in our lives 
is as much as anything about him using us to get the message of the gospel into the ears of the lost. I, I just want to challenge you as we, we've, we've sort of finished this series up. Read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. It's just story after story of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of ordinary people so that people would come to Christ. The Spirit came and things happened and people came to Christ. The Spirit came, things happened, supernatural things and people came to Christ over and over again. Read the Gospels as well. They are just story after story of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus so that hearts would be opened to his message. And so the Holy Spirit isn't invading the bodies of, of those who haven't invited him in. He cannot do that. He will not do that. He will not inhabit someone who doesn't want him and doesn't recognize Jesus as Lord. But he's always working draw, to draw others in to the love of God in Christ. And if we allow him, church, if we allow the Spirit, he will do it naturally and supernaturally through us. He'll work through us to provide opportunities for others to hear the gospel and respond. Here endeth the sermon. So um, I'd just love to know, just for a few minutes, if there's any burning questions on your mind right now, what are they? Um, love to hear if, if it's like, nope, that's it, that's done, that's cool, that's fine. But if it's like there's a number of things, then, then I'd love to go back and think, how can we provide a time to talk more about these things? So any questions? Any things that are like, you missed it, Luke, you missed the big one? What, what, what comes to mind? Be shy. All right, I'll assume we've done an okay job there. <laughs> um, uh, if you do have questions, we'd love to keep engaging on this, but looking forward to moving on to um, another focus in the coming month um, as we head uh, into the middle of the year. Um, and so uh, look, why don't the worship team come up? Let's pray. And um, uh, as I said at the beginning this morning, I don't want, didn't want this time to be just some intellectual exercise. Hopefully it, it has been helpful. The, some of the answers today came from a number of members in the ministry team contributing different, different bits. Um, but um, it's, it's important that this is not just a head level thing, that we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and we finish this time, this, this month and a half that we've had, um, with this theme, come Holy Spirit, by again praying, come Holy Spirit, and, and, and committing to continue to be open in our hearts towards what he wants to do in our lives. So let's stand. Um, I don't know exactly which, which songs, what, what songs the guys are going to do in order, um, but this time is a time for us not just to sing some songs, but to be open. Um, let's stand and pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning you, Jesus. to come and to be present, tangibly present here with us. Come Holy Spirit and fill us up. Come Holy Spirit and lead us towards Jesus, a new revel a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Break down the, the views and perceptions of God we have in our mind and our heart that are false. And heal those things that are underneath the surface which might be keeping us from that intimacy with you that you desire. Come Holy Spirit, move among us now we pray as we worship you.